Welcome to the Cali High Podcast. I'm your host, Chen Zonica, and I've been a cannabis connoisseur for 50 years. 50 years. Today, we will talk about all things cannabis as they relate to California and beyond, from the history of buds in the state to laws that govern its use, how notable personalities of the industry and related arts, including music, shape the industry. We will bring you reports from dispensaries, cultivators, medical patients, and recreational users. Vincenzo, good afternoon to you, sir. How are you? I am well, Marco. And you? I am fantastic, as they say. Excellent. Here we are with episode 17. This week we went to Eagle Rock. We talked to Carlos De La Torre of the Cornerstone Wellness Collective about his longtime association with medical marijuana research and his collaboration with UCLA scientists on the matter. Yeah, that was very cool. Very cool conversation there, man. Mm-hmm. We also talked to him about Jose Weizar, who got busted this week. The Weizar. Yeah, for corruption. Probably one of the biggest corruption scandals in Los Angeles City Council history. Yeah, dude, with a name like that, I mean, that was just, it was bound to happen, don't you think? Yeah, well, he was also Carlos's council person for over 10 years, and Carlos had run-ins with him. So let's talk to Carlos. Here we go. Cali High is honored to be here with Carlos De La Torre of the Cornerstone Wellness Collective in Eagle Rock. Thanks for having us over, Carlos. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Welcome, guys. Yeah. Been wanting to interview you for a while, um, I'm, and I'm really happy to have the opportunity. Uh, so why don't you tell us how you first got into cannabis? Oh, wow. So uh, I got into the dispensary business about 13 and a half years ago now. Uh, our old partner, Michael Backus, um, he was a, you know, I was working in film. I was working as a producer. Michael was also working for Michael Crichton as a writer and as a, you know, a film producer. And he just uh, had a lot of love for cannabis. He was using mm -hmm. it personally. So he, you know, being the sort of mad genius that he is, he sort of, kind of dove into uh, learning as much about the science of cannabis as he could possibly learn. And he approached me and said, you know, it was the, it was the old cowboy day. He said, listen, we're going we're gonna to open it. I want to open a dispensary. I want you to do it with me. You know, we want to do it very different. We want to we wanna open a shop, hopefully make a pile of money. But uh, we, we want to own the science, yeah. you know, because everybody's supposedly doing this thing as a, as a medical thing. And, and, we, uh, and we really want to do that. So... You know, we jumped in, we went around, looked for locations, and we found a, a cool little spot in Eagle Rock that would have us, and, uh, you know, off off and running. Uh -huh. You know, that was back in, uh, we signed our lease back at, uh, I think, December of 2006, and we opened our doors in Eagle Rock on Eagle Rock Boulevard in, like, May of 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you've been there ever since. We, we moved. We had to move because of all the uh, oh, yeah, after yeah. Measure M. We moved to, but we moved to another spot in Eagle Rock. So mm -hmm. we've been at our new spot in Eagle Rock on Colorado for uh, about seven years now. So Cornerstone is known for being heavily into the medicinal side of cannabis. And uh, it has been focused on, on this for a while. Um, as serious medicine, so can we talk about how Cornerstone is different from like a typical dispensary in that regard? 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, we really poured, from the very beginning, we really poured ourselves into learning as much as we could about the medicinal values, about the therapeutic values of cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the early days, we had a, um, we set up a, an advisory board. We had a couple research scientists from UCLA. And, you know, we just really um, tried to learn as much about its values as we could so that we could, you know, pass that information on to our patients. So over the years, that's been sort of the lane that we've driven in. We, um, you know, we've developed a reputation for being that. Um, and back in 2009, we started making our own version of Rick Simpson's uh, oil. So mm-hmm. we've been doing, a, we call it the healing oil, the cornerstone healing oil. We've been doing it in various ratios for, you know, several years now, well over a decade. And, uh, you know, people have driven from Palm Springs, from San Diego, from, you know, Malibu. They come and see us still to this day because they know that they're going to get a level of service and quality of care and information. Um, back in, I think, 2014, we hired a researcher. Um, you know, our, a lot of our patients have a lot of interesting questions for us. So we try to, you know, we try to answer those questions as best as we could. So we found, mm-hmm. we found a researcher that was willing to go out and scour all of the latest and greatest scientific information on different things. So we've got over about 110 published articles on our open source website on different, you know, cannabis, medical cannabis related subjects, you know, anything from, you know, breast cancer to the endocannabinoid system um, to, you know, how cannabis can affect various different conditions that a person might have, good or bad. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not always just like, you know, pro-cannabis. It's oh, just yeah. kind of tell it like it is. Um, Every medicine has its ups and downs. Yeah, and, and then uh, actually in 2017, uh, we are, I think we were the only dispenser that I know of still that was able to get uh, an IRB through Cal State San Bernardino. What is an IRB? Uh, an IRB is an institutional review board. So all kind of research that's done on anything, whether it's mm-hmm. a human trial mm-hmm. or a survey or whatever, for it to become like a legitimate research or a publishable research, it has to be done under the auspices of an IRB. Right. either through university or a private, um, you know, organization. And we, we hired a researcher, a, a chief researcher, who uh, was just getting her PhD over at Cal State San Bernardino, and through her, we were able to get an IRB. So um, at Cornerstone, for about a two-year period, we had a voluntary group of over about 1,000 of our patients that were willing participants in the IRB, and we were able to collect uh, an enormous amount of scientific data on cannabis and terpene profiles and how, you know, these specific terpenes and cannabis strains can affect different medical conditions. Um, my partner, Erica, uh, she actually has gone and, and uh, spoken on two separate occasions at the ICRS conferences. I think we were the only dispensaries ever invited to those. That's the uh, International Cannabinoid, um, uh, what is it? Well, I can't remember what it research. stands for now. Yeah, research yeah. symposiums. Yeah. So one was, the one that she went to was in the Netherlands a couple years ago, and then last year it was at, uh, in Boston. Oh, how cool. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that's, again, that's just been the, uh, the, the you know, our niche. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it, was there anything, like, surprising that you've discovered from all this research? I mean, the one thing that I can say is that, you know, cannabis, I, I don't think that it's a magic bullet. You know, a yeah. lot of people, a lot of the people on the, you know, on the, 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 the cheerleaders for cannabis will tell you that it that cures everything under the sun. And the truth, you know, the truth is that it, that cannabis works really, really well for a lot of things. Yeah. You know, we have, we have verifiable data to show that. Mm-hmm. Everything from, you know, uh, insomnia to anxiety to pain management to cell reduction. However, there needs to be a lot more research. Uh, there needs to be a lot more funding for that research so that we can really, you know, be, uh, be, begin to understand um, 
all of the uh, uh, processes and advantages that this plant has because it's oh, very yeah. complex. Well, federally, research has been banned for so long, and it's now it's kind of like a nascent stage of a new industry, cannabis research. Yeah, I mean, it's you know we're we're seeing positive steps, obviously, and you know the one thing that Prop 64 has done. And we've yet to see this, but supposedly some of the some of the money that's collected from the excise taxes is going to be poured into the UC system to actually start doing actual research. So it's not just the federal government doing that weird research through Mississippi State University with like crappy weed <laughs> from you know yeah. God knows where. I never believed you know. in G thirteen, bro. Yeah, we actually have we actually have one of the original tins at Cornerstone. Really. Yeah, that they would send to the like the, the, the original eight, medical patients. Yeah, the eight original yeah. eight medical patients or nine yeah. medical patients. It would come in this weird, you know, tin, and they would roll like I don't know, three hundred joints in there or something like that. <laughs> it's just it's, it's kind of a nice little piece of history. We were able to yeah. get one of those. I, I forget how, but yeah. You know, I was perusing your website, and, it, and it's very informative. And some of your people were talking about a, a pure sativa strain called Neville's Haze. And uh, I was just wondering, do you still carry that strain? You know, it's getting... Here's, here's the sad part about um, mm -hmm. the legalization of cannabis, that it's really kind of done away with the cottage industry, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, Cornerstone was really known... Part, part of our charm was that we used to work with a lot of these, what, what you would consider cottage industry producers, you know, small batch producers, a lot of amazing, like, breeders and growers that would grow these, like old school, you know, legacy strains, land race strains. Mm -hmm. um, and they would do it better than anybody I've ever seen. Like, like anything, right? At yeah, scale, yeah, yeah. things are really hard yeah. to do, right? But if you can do something in a small room, but unfortunately those people didn't have the, the, the finances, the funds, the ability, or even the wherewithal to like, you know, play at this level anymore, you know, right. to have a, a facility that has to be bound by like building and safety and the fire and, um, you know, the, 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 the money that you have to pay, like all of that stuff oh, became, yeah. I think, cost prohibitive and just kind of prohibitive in nature uh, in general for a lot of these folks. So they just kind of went away. Um, we still get uh, Neville's from a, from a producer up in Northern California, mm -hmm. um, but it's but it's very hard to come by. Yeah, you know? yeah. Fortunately, a lot of the growers up in Northern California were able to sort of consolidate and become these sort of limited partnerships mm -hmm. through like a couple distribution companies so they could keep their right. sort of little grow and attach it to a much larger um, you know, scenario, and that's how yeah. we've been able to, you know, find some of these like old school genetics. But that original Neville's that we carried, we we don't have that one anymore. Mm -hmm. no. Interesting. I don't know. I don't even know what's happened to some of these folks. You know. Yeah. Well, I was talking about Granddaddy Purple the other day. Yeah. I haven't seen that in in years. You know, it seems like. Yeah, and but I think I, also the hay strains. A lot of those beautiful sativa strains. Um, you know they're harder to grow. They take mm -hmm. longer, take longer. And, and so now we're, we're in a brand yeah. war. It's not. It's not it's as lucrative. We're trying to make money. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of the issue as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think all those strains need to be preserved, um, and a, a lot of them are probably gone forever. You know what I mean? So it's it's a tragedy, but yeah. Uh, hopefully, those people can group together and, and get their licensing. I know they are. They're trying still to do around. That. Yeah. They're still around. You know, and hopefully. Things open up a little bit, and we're able to like carve out a little niche for these small batch producers, where it's not so difficult for them to like play mm -hmm. in this world because it's unfortunate. Otherwise, like you said, we're, you know a lot of that's going to be lost forever. Yeah. Um, Cornerstone is in the Eagle Rock area here in Los Angeles, and recently, your ex council person Jose Wisar <laughs> was arrested on one of the biggest 
corruption scandals in LA history involving uh, millions of dollars in a pay-to-play permitting scheme. Lizar has been one, your council person since what, 2006, I believe? He was. He's, he's been our like council that. person the entire time. Yeah. And, you know, when we, when we opened our doors, he was the guy. He was actually termed out this year, but, you know, we've done, we did a couple fundraisers for his wife. So they were, they were planning on keeping the scheme going, really. Mm -hmm. She hasn't been indicted yet, so I don't want to, you know, say anything. And we were actually supporting her, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, once that all came out, obviously that, you know, that, that campaign went out the window. Yeah. And now Kevin DeLeon is going to be our guy. And we really, we love Kevin. He's, he's a smart guy. He's, you know, we support him tremendously. But, um, you know, going back to Weezar, we, we, I think we've had a love-hate relationship with him Can from the beginning. Can we just kind of go through the uh, timeline <laughs> of that relationship? Yeah, so... Uh, when we, you know, we, we, he was our council guy when we first, when we first opened Cornerstone. Um, we invited him to uh, our shop at the, I think it was about the end of 2008. And, you know, just kind of because, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, misunderstandings in the industry back in the, back in the days, and there still are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they all just think, you know, they all thought we were a bunch of criminals and stuff. So we wanted to show them that we were different, that we, you know, how we how we worked with our patients, how we treated people, how we were collecting information, how our POS system worked. Mm -hmm. and so he was, you know, I, I have to say that he was impressed and so impressed that um, when the city started writing their uh, interim control ordinance um, that got put into effect in 2009, um, he was actually sending us advanced copies for us to help, you know, implement some of, some of the rules and regulations that we had already implemented at, uh, at Cornerstone, you know, that, that, and that sort of became the foundation of, of you know, Measure M, before that, you know, Prop D, a lot of those rules and regulations were in there uh, based on a lot of the work that, that we at Cornerstone had done with, with Weezar's office and a couple of the other council offices and the city attorney. So we had a really good relationship there for a few years, um, even though there was this enormous proliferation of, you know, uh, dispensaries that were starting, that was starting to happen. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he became the guy that wanted to pass the ban. Right. In Los Angeles, and that was 2010 or 11? No, it was 2000, uh, 2012. 12, right. Yeah. So we had, um, at that time, we were we were all members of an organization called GLACA, the Greater Los Angeles Collective. Yeah, Collectors I remember. Alliance. That's where I met you. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So uh, we uh, we had already heard that this might be a possibility, so a handful of us had, had written uh, a referendum to that band in case, which we had in our back pocket. And... Uh, so sure enough, you know, Weezar basically got the council to agree that they wanted to basically do a, you know, have a do-over and ban cannabis in the city of Los Angeles, even though, you know, such a, a large percentage of us were doing things the right way. So we, we put the ban uh, uh, referendum into effect, which overturned the ban. And I think that, you know, it really kind of pissed him off. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he'll, he'll deny this, obviously, but everybody knows that it's what he did. He basically... Um, went to the field office of the DEA and told them to just go in and, and basically uh, raid or just send letters and close down all the shops in his district. Right. So within, you know, a week's time or something like that, basically, uh, you know, this DEA agent went in, sent letters first, sent letters to the landlords, and then started knocking on doors. And within literally a very short period of time, within a week or something like that, he, I think he was successful in shutting down some like 60 or 70 dispensaries in the city of L.A., whether they were legal or illegal. So right. a, a bunch of us got wrapped up into that right. uh, thing unfairly. So uh, obviously we, you know, that, that uh, put a deep strain on our relationship, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> as, as you can imagine. An understatement, yes. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, we... 
we ended up having to move for a little while. Unfortunately, we were able to come back because we're, you know, we're members of the community of Eagle Rock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of my employees are from, you know, Eagle Rock. Hey, Mochi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, sorry, Mochi wants to be on camera. Really cool. Yeah, uh, this is my dog, Mochi. Um, Mochi. Anyway, the Cali High audience. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so we had a, we had a kind of a tumultuous relationship back and forth, and then. You know, uh, that kind of got smoothed over for a little while, and, and, you know, then Prop 64 became the law of the land, and it seemed like everything got, you know, squared away. But the irony is that, you know, for so many years, they treated us like the criminals, you oh, yeah. know? And, like, I'm just a small businessman. My partner and I were just small business people. We employ people from the community. We participate in the community. We give money to the police. We give money to the community. Uh -huh. um, you know, I, I own a house in the area, you right. know, and yet they were painting us as the as the criminals right. and when all the while you know this is the guy oh, yeah. that was like not only taking money on the side but like embroiled in a sexual harassment lawsuit got duis you know so you know if you believe in karma yeah oh i do yeah so you well, know well there it is you know it came full circle for him yeah karma is the sanskrit word that means action yeah <laughs> so when people think about their karma, well, they think about their actions. Yeah. But uh, I feel so, bad because he had a lot of good people working for him that I really liked. Mm -hmm. His policy director really helped us a lot with a lot of things. And, you know, one of his assistants, I think, works for uh, another organization for the city now. Um, so there's, you know, there's definitely good people in that office. And mm -hmm. I hope that, that they come out, come out of this thing on their feet. But, you know, I got to say, he deserves everything that he gets. Yeah. When he tried to, to put the ban in place, you think there was ulterior motives in that move? You know, that's an interesting question. I don't know. Maybe, you know, uh, yeah, I guess so. Now looking back, looking knowing, back, knowing what we know, maybe he had, you know, family members or friends or people, because basically he wanted to shut down all dispensaries and then allow for just anyone to start a permitting process again. Right. And, you know, knowing that he's a guy that lets people skip to the front of the line if they pay him some money, mm -hmm. perhaps that's what, you know, the impetus for that mm -hmm. was. Um, interesting. You know, there's another councilman as well that got embroiled in something very similar. Englander? Englander and Englander no, he was, was the in guy. The he's the guy that was responsible for shutting down like 50 dispensaries in, in like yeah. 2012 as well, or before yeah, like North 2010. Hills, all of that. He North hated Ridge. cannabis. Yeah. He went in. He shut all the all those places down. The irony is that his uncle became our uh, lobbyist for several years for the UCBA Trade Association. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, but Mitch got. You know, yeah. he, he had to pay a huge fine. He got off. He got off light. Oh, he uh, yeah. turned state's evidence, didn't he? He did something. Result. I don't know what yeah. he did, but you know, again, karma. Yeah. Again, the guy that was painting us all as the criminals, yeah. as the bad mm -hmm. seeds, as the people ruining yeah. the neighborhood, was taking money the whole time. So, yeah. you know, for whatever so, it's worth. So, how do you feel about Kevin DeLeon? Oh yeah, I was saying before, like we we did a Zoom call with him. We just did a fundraiser for Kevin. We've supported him all the way through. I think he's a you know, I, I think that he's a really good choice yeah. for the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. He's Latino. He understands, you know, yeah. the, uh, uh, the, the plight of the people that live in these neighborhoods. He's really smart. Um, he's young, energetic. You know, I, I personally, I really like him. I'm looking forward to having a great relationship with him. And, That's excellent. You know, and he's yeah. shown that he's really um, enthusiastic about working with us and, you know, and, 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 and you know, helping understand helping other members of the community understand that we're you know legitimate businesses and we're here to help and you know the truth is that we pay more taxes than anybody now. oh yeah cannabis pays we, we collected almost a hundred million dollars last year in tax revenue from from the cannabis industry right that's more than any other business hands down so we are the, the like the most tax positive 
industry that this city has. Yeah. So I maybe maybe they should listen unfair. to us from time to time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, now, how has the COVID virus uh, and the pandemic, how, how has the pandemic affected the way you do biz down at Cornerstone Wellness? Um, so we were... Uh, it, it, we haven't really seen that much of a difference, to be honest. Now, for us, we were fortunate in that we had already established... You mean in the flow of the business? In the, in the, in the numbers it, yes, that we the were numbers. doing. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're down a little bit, but yeah. nothing that, like, you know, is, is of any, like, major consequence for us. We, uh, uh, we were fortunate in that we had a, um, established already an online ordering platform mm -hmm. through our website mm -hmm. that we were trying to launch anyway for people to be able to purchase their meds and then right. come and pick them up in a, you know, expedited service. So we were just getting ready to launch that. So once COVID happened, we made that mandatory. Um, and we stopped letting people into the shop literally after the second day. So we haven't let anyone into our shop in over two months. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did was we, we have our entire menu online. People can go online. They, they place their order. It goes in the cart. It checks them out. And then you get a, a text message letting you know that your order is ready for pickup. And then you would come to Cornerstone, you would let us know that you were here, and we were, for the first three weeks, we were running stuff out to people's cars. Mm -hmm. We wrote to the to the BCC and asked for um, a special dispensation to be Bureau able to do that. Bureau of Cannabis Control. Yeah, the Bureau yeah. of Cannabis Control, and they and they agreed, which they have. They're, they've been very, you know, um, you know, supportive during this time, and they know that we're, you know, businesses that are creating tax revenue for the city and for the state, so anything that we need to do, they're, they've been on board with. Um, That's kind of cool. Yeah, so we so we uh, uh, we were running stuff out to people's cars for a couple of weeks, and then what we ended up doing is retooling our windows that face the parking lot, and now it's almost like a like a like a takeout yeah. service. So you get you know you you, you get your order, um, you get your your text message that it's ready for pickup, and then you show up, and then we just hand you your your medicine through you know your products through the window. Yeah, yeah. And the the employees love it. Yeah. You know because there's not you know they feel safe. There's an extra barrier between the patients. You know, everyone stands mm -hmm. uh, six feet apart. The security guards manage the uh, the outside, and uh, you know, it's knock on wood. It's it's worked really really well for us. Yeah, uh, it's worked pretty well for us. So, um, and you know, li like everybody else, every, you know, it's another one of these misconceptions, right? Everybody thinks cannabis yeah. is like blowing up, and everybody's making millions of dollars and stuff. It's just not true. We, we had the first two weeks, like everyone, we, we, it was a windfall for all of us. Yeah. Because people thought people that we were going to shut down. They were yeah, panicked. Hello. Let's go and then when they realized, yeah, yeah, right. And when they realized we were going to be open, then basically uh, it leveled off. And now we're probably at a 10% a deficiency from normal mm -hmm. or whatever. But it's still, you know, that people are so happy. Bad. We're grateful that we're able to continue to work. The employees are super grateful that they have jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we... Uh, uh, we test. We had all our employees go and get tested. We had all the employees get the, um, get the uh, antibodies tests mm -hmm. as well that we paid for just to you know just to make people feel extra safe. And the, our customers love it. You know they've been yeah, really yeah. supportive and they're super happy that they don't have to like walk into a small, small tiny space with a bunch of people in it. You know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's excellent. Um, so uh, where do you see Cornerstone? Let's put it this way. If you had a fantasy future going forward for Cornerstone Wellness, what do you see in that future? I mean, our our uh, our, our hope and, and sort of you know five year, ten year plan out was to hopefully 
um, take the Cornerstone brand and and build out you know two or three other dispensaries, but more than dispensaries, really like health and wellness centers. Right. You know, perhaps like one in Palm Springs, one in San Diego, maybe one on the west side. Obviously, the way that the licensing works now, that that becomes pretty challenging. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking to different investors and stuff that mm -hmm. really kind of have an appreciation for what it is that we do. And, um, you know, I've not seen that really done yet, where you use cannabis and the cannabis products and stuff like that in different therapies, different body modalities. My wife is a, is a doctor of Chinese medicine, you know, using cannabis in, in, in her practice for body work and, you know, things of that nature, something that mm -hmm. I think would be really beneficial. And yeah, we'll yeah. probably start to see more and more of that as this, you know, whole um, thing unfolds. Yeah, so she, that was, she, you know, yeah. it'd be great to see, you know, a sort of a cornerstone franchise of health and wellness centers that incorporated cannabis. That would be, yeah. you know. And you get to use your research. Yeah, exactly. And that would be excellent. Yeah, now, that, that would be, that would be, you know, great for us. You were growing for a while and now you're not growing. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, going yeah. back to what I was saying before, we were growing for five and a half years in yeah. a warehouse in, in L.A. And, you know, once we realized what the uh, um, the costs associated with building out your facility with, you know, water treatment and, you know, sprinkler systems and yeah. fire and safety inspections and building and safety inspections and paying L.A. power rates and all of that kind of stuff, it just became cost prohibitive for us. You yeah. know, we were a small grow. We had a bunch of old school genetics that we were growing so that part of it is a little bit sad for us right but um you said you have somebody keeping those genetics alive we do have we have someone keeping those genetics alive um you we'll know hopefully one day we'll people. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get that <laughs> we'll get that back up and running but it's just you know again you, it's it's impossible for someone of our size to compete against yeah the massive Giant grows gross. that are out there now you yeah. know Trying to trying to compete on price with someone that's got fields and fields mm -hmm. of like greenhouse grows, you know, yeah. it's it just became cost prohibitive, and people are very price conscious now. And with all the taxes that we're paying, you mm -hmm. know, it just makes it really difficult for for a, a customer now yeah. to pay, you know, uh, sixty dollar an eighth price when when you have to tack on like an additional thirty seven percent of taxes. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's, they're back. Prices are back up to what they used to be pre-legalization. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Carlos, thank you very much for this interview. Absolutely, thank and you. Is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't talked about? I just think that people, uh, what I would like to say is that people just need to get involved. They need to understand yeah. because it, it feels like, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm one of the founding members of the UCBA Trade Association now. Um, and we're out there every day, like, talking to our council people we have lobbyists up at mm -hmm. the you know at the state level we've got lobbyists here in Los Angeles and I think a lot of people just think things happen by magic you know and it really is just a handful of people that are out there like you yeah. know making sure that there is a responsible regulated industry that the taxation like we're, we're sponsoring a couple of bills right now like a tax reduction bill a tax simplification bill and all of these things like could use you know, people's assistance, at the very least, educate yourself on how yeah. a lot of this stuff happens, because um, it's important when we have, you know, more people that are involved and more people that understand what's going on, and then we need a vote, yeah. you know, it's good for people to understand that, you know, it, it, it takes, you know, a lot of responsible action to yeah. be able to, like, make this Absolutely. stuff happen, and if, and if it wasn't, you know, for these people that are out there working, you know, senators and uh, assembly people, they don't really understand our industry at all. They just know that it's a cash cow for them. Yeah. So they're just trying to put, they're just trying to pile on more taxes or, you know, uh, earmark some of the money for whatever, 
you know, thing that they wanted to go to. And, you know, we're the, we're at, we're the, the gatekeepers right now for that yeah. kind of stuff. So, well, thanks for yeah. being a responsible member of the UCBA. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a really important thing for people that smoke weed here they, that most people don't even know. Yeah. We've been trying to educate them. Once again, thank you very much, Carlos. Cali High thanks you, and uh, we'll see you soon. Awesome. We'll, we'd love to come back and check in with you in a few months and see how things are going. Anytime. Okay. All right. Thanks. Dude, another awesome interview, man. Great job. Thank you, and thank you for the help, bro. My pleasure. Yeah, Carlos is a great guy. So, next week we have episode 18, the first of the Cali High sessions at the Green Room, sponsored by The Higher Path. Yeah, it should be really good. You're going to enjoy that. Indeed. 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 Stay tuned. Fucking did. 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 All right. <laughs> <laughs>